0: Listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. Trinity Church Chester is a new church seeking to reach the city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the heart of our ministry is our Sunday worship service, in which we hear a sermon preached from a particular part of the Bible. We're glad you're listening. We'd love to see you in person at the Welsh Presbyterian Church building on St. John Street in the city centre. We meet there every Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you can find more details on our website trinitychester.church. Come and join us as we seek to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Here at Trinity we
1: are continuing a sermon series looking at each of the Ten Commandments, uh, the law that God famously gave us to live by and today we're focusing on the Seventh Commandment which we just read. From Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, This is the the second of four really short and relatively simple, straightforward commands that we find in the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. And because they're short and simple, we can tend to think that we know what they're all about. Murder, adultery, stealing, lying, When it comes to adultery, we probably have some idea of what adultery is. It's the act of cheating in a marriage, a husband having an affair behind his wife's back, or a wife behind her husband's back. But as we saw last weekend uh, with the command not to murder, uh, the command, you shall not commit adultery, covers far more than we might initially think. And not only is this command more extensive, Uh, than many of us might realise. But there is also a seriousness to this command that we're simply not used to hearing today when it comes to the subject of adultery. One Christian minister and author, Kevin DeYoung, writes, Is there any command more ridiculed in our culture than the seventh commandment? Adultery is a joke. Sadly, he's right. We see it in so many ways. And so if we're going to live our lives as Christians according to God's word and not according to our day and age, we need to make sure we understand both the extent and the seriousness of this commandment. You shall not commit adultery. I want us to see three things this afternoon. What God commands, why he commands it, and where we find hope. First of all, what God commands. When God commands us, you shall not commit adultery, what exactly is he commanding? In a nutshell, God is commanding us to hold the marriage relationship in high regard. He's revealing to us that marriage is something that God has set apart and we are to preserve and protect its significance. Adultery, in its essence, treats marriage as something insignificant and mundane. Instead of treating marriage as a relationship of the highest order, as something which is to be preserved and protected, adultery treats a marriage relationship as something which is disposable. And it does so by taking something that God has given to be enjoyed and expressed only within marriage, and by using it outside of marriage, outside of its proper God given context. Now, what does that mean? But we need to recognise that in the Bible, God has revealed to us that marriage is a good thing. Marriage is God's idea. He is the one who instituted the marriage relationship. He is the one who officiated at the very first wedding in Genesis 1 and 2, the wedding of Adam and Eve. And that first marriage, Jesus and the apostles' teachers in the New Testament, is to be the pattern for marriage throughout human history. That is... Uh, Marriage is to be between one man and one woman, which means that the Bible does not permit members of the same sex to be married, nor does it permit a person to have multiple wives or husbands. Marriage was instituted by God to be between one man and one woman. And part of God's design for marriage is that it is to be the relationship in which A certain intimacy is to be enjoyed and expressed. Uh, The husband and wife are to know one another intimately. There is is to be a unique closeness and familiarity between the husband and wife. Closeness and a familiarity which is ultimately expressed in sexual intimacy. And so adultery is when we take this intimacy which is reserved in God's design for the marriage relationship and we seek to experience it outside of marriage. In this sense, it is taking something out of its proper context, taking it beyond the boundaries in which it's designed to operate, like taking fire out of the fireplace, taking a fish out of water or removing the train from the train tracks. A broad, but I think a helpful definition of adultery is that it is removing the intimacy which is designed to be experienced only in marriage from within its proper boundaries and seeking to experience it outside of marriage. In short, it is the act of seeking or experiencing marital intimacy outside of the marriage relationship. And so when God forbids adultery, as he does in the seventh commandment, he is forbidding everything associated with seeking this intimacy outside of marriage, outside his rightful place. The married person who seeks this intimacy with a person who is not their spouse breaks the seventh commandment and commits adultery. I expect all of us would recognise the act in which a married person is sexually intimate with a person other than their spouse as adultery we would all recognize that as adultery but the intimacy which is reserved for marriage is not only sexual intimacy the married person who flirts with their co-worker who relies on someone other than their husband or wife for emotional support That person is also, as it were, taking the fire out of the fireplace by taking the intimacy which is designed to be exclusively experienced between husband and wife, and seeking to experience it elsewhere in other relationships. That happens in a blatant sense when a married person has an affair, but it happens more subtly. Flirtatious exchanges, messages, comments, becoming over and overly dependent on a member of the opposite sex who is not a family member nor our spouse. And those of us who are married need to protect and preserve our marriages by guarding against these things. And since adultery is the act of seeking or experiencing marital intimacy outside of the marriage relationship, there are also many other things that other people... Need to resist. Unmarried people need to resist because we ought to recognize those things as belonging within the boundaries of a marriage. In the first place, sexual intimacy outside of marriage is simply out of bounds. It is a breaking of the seventh commandment because there's a failure to uphold the significance of marriage. Even in relationships, which, uh, as far as we are aware, are heading towards marriage, committed relationships, engagements, even in those relationships, sexual intimacy is not permitted because there's an intimacy that is reserved for the marriage relationship. That has implications then for how you are to conduct yourself uh, if you are boyfriend and girlfriend, you are not to provoke or entice or stimulate your boyfriend or girlfriend towards sexual intimacy by the way you dress, by the way you touch, by the places you spend your time together, the way you communicate. Because you need to recognise that there is a certain intimacy which has been reserved by God for marriage. and You need to preserve and protect the significance and the sanctity of that. On that that subject, uh, on the subject of what we ought to avoid in this regard, for both married people and unmarried people, it's interesting how many older Christian writers address the drinking of too much alcohol under this subject. So The Bible, Bible is clear in numerous places that it is not right to drink so much alcohol that we become drunk. Why is that? Well, according to many Christian writers throughout the centuries, being drunk often leads us to break the seventh commandment. How many acts that have ruined marriages, how many nights of regret for unmarried people have come as the result of drinking too much alcohol? God doesn't warn us against these things because he wants us to be miserable but in part he warns us against these things so that we might protect something that is truly special, the marriage relationship, and that we might preserve the intimacy that he is designed to be experienced in marriage. There are other acts that take marital intimacy and abuse it outside of marriage, watching, looking at explicit, explicit content, individual acts that often accompany such things and so on and what is more Jesus taught us in Matthew 5 in the passage we read earlier in our service that we should understand adultery as taking place not only when a specific act is committed but also when we entertain lustful ideas in our hearts you have heard it said Jesus tells us you shall not commit adultery But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Which means that all that we have already spoken of as being a breaking of the seventh commandment is not only forbidden in action, but also in intent, in desire, even if it's never acted upon lustful thoughts that we've pondered scenarios that we've played out in our minds desires that we've entertained and developed according to Jesus these things are to be classed as adultery of the heart in dwelling on these things in our hearts we have taken marital intimacy outside of the boundaries of marriage and have committed adultery And as though the commandment wasn't extensive enough already, Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 5 that unlawful divorce belongs in the category of adultery too. Jesus is pointing out here in that section that protecting and preserving the significance of marriage requires not only the absence of extramarital affairs, but also requires the presence of what the husband and wife owe to one another, love and faithfulness. When a person divorces without grounds to do so, they are deserting their spouse. They are failing to give to them the love and faithfulness they are owed. Jesus is pointing out that this failure too is a breaking of the seventh commandment. Because the seventh commandment is not merely about avoiding affairs, but it is about preserving and protecting marriage and the intimacy which is reserved for it. This is what God commands but secondly we need to ask the question why why does God command it why does God forbid all these things which fail to preserve and protect marriage these things which take marital intimacy and seek to experience it elsewhere why does he forbid these things and part of the answer is found in thinking about who God is When it comes to who God reveals himself to be, one of the central features is that he reveals himself to be a faithful God. It's repeated throughout the Bible time and again. We heard it in our call to worship from Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. God is faithful. Faithful. And often when this language of steadfast love and faithfulness appears in the Bible, it is in reference to the covenant that God has made with his people. A covenant is what God enters into with his people, just like a husband and a wife enter into a covenant together. In a marriage covenant, the husband and wife are bound together Uh, They make certain promises to one another. Often the sign of the covenant bond is given in the form of a wedding ring. And the result of all of this is that the husband and wife enter into a covenant together. We're told in the Bible that marriage, in this sense, is a reflection of God's covenant relationship with his people. The Apostle Paul famously makes this clear in Ephesians 5. He writes that the profound mystery of marriage refers to the relationship between Christ and the church. We see the same idea repeated throughout the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, God repeatedly refers to his people's rebellion and sinful ways as adultery. We read it in places like Jeremiah 3 and 5 in Hosea 2, Malachi 2, Where God speaks of his people's covenant unfaithfulness, a spiritual adultery. Because God's relationship with his people is like a marriage covenant. And so when we read, as we do time and again in the Bible, of God's faithfulness, we are to understand that God is speaking of his faithfulness to his covenant with his people. He is always faithful to his marriage vows, as it were. He is never unfaithful. That is who he is. He promises to be our God, promises to be the God of all who trust in him, and he will never forsake us. He has bound himself to us in faithful covenant love, and he will never abandon us. The Lord Jesus Christ loves his church and gave himself for her as the ultimate husband. And he will never remove his love from us. And in Christ, God has even made provision within this covenant relationship for his bride, his people, who are often unfaithful, to be forgiven and restored He remains faithful to his covenant even when we are faithless. Now, how does all of this help us understand why God commands all that he commands in the seventh commandment? Well, if marriage is to be a reflection of God's covenant relationship with his people, when we treat marriage as something insignificant, when we take the marital intimacy which belongs exclusively within marriage and we seek to experience it elsewhere, when we are unfaithful when it comes to marriage in that regard, what does that communicate about God? About his relationship to his people? Doesn't it communicate the exact opposite of what is true? Communicates something of a God who is not faithful. Something of a God who is unfaithful. A part of the purpose of marriage is that it ought to reflect the faithful, secure, covenant bond between God and his people. When we break the seventh commandment, what we reflect is the exact opposite of that. But when we uphold the significance of marriage when we reserve marital intimacy to be enjoyed exclusively within the boundaries of marriage, we reflect the reality that God's covenant with his people is secure. God is faithful and he loves faithfulness. God cares about our faithfulness to the seventh commandment because he himself is a faithful God who hates unfaithfulness. That is who he is. And one important question we then have to face is what do we do when we've broken this commandment? Thirdly, finally, briefly, where do we find hope? As those who have broken the seventh commandment, what do we do when we have been unfaithful when it comes to marriage, when we have taken marital intimacy and we've sought to experience it outside of its proper place, when we've been found guilty of adultery in one of its many forms. What do we do? In short, we need to remember the words of the gospel. Words that we hear in our services week after week after week. Words such as 1 Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost the apostle Paul says words such as my little children the apostle John writes I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world It is perhaps especially important that we remember this central gospel truth when it comes to this whole area of sexual purity. Many Christian ministers will say that this is one of the most common sources of guilt that weighs heavily on Christian people. Some church cultures, sexual sin has sometimes been presented as something that is just unforgivable. Friends, that is not true. The seventh commandment is one of ten commandments. It is not the only one and we should not live as though it is. And when we hear that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, we should recognise that included in that category of sinners are all who have broken the seventh commandment. This is where we find hope. In Christ Jesus Himself, He perfectly fulfilled the requirements of this commandment You shall not commit adultery. Just think about that. Jesus never had one lustful thought. He never caused one single woman to feel uncomfortable in his presence. His eyes never wandered. He is purity itself. And he perfectly upheld the sanctity of marriage. And he laid down his perfect, pure life for sinners for those who have been unfaithful for those who have abused the intimacy that is reserved for marriage we should remember the gospel truths that are so clearly declared to us in places like 1 Timothy 1:15 1. and 1 John 2 but we should also remember the words that follow often 1 John chapter 2 verse 3 follows hot on the heels of those words of gospel assurance, John says, and by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. In John 8, we're told that the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, brought to Jesus a woman who had been found guilty of adultery. And Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and they left and After he had spoken words of grace to the woman, he said to her, Go, and from now on, sin no more. Friends, if the conviction of lust and sexual sin weighs heavily on you today, then hear God's words of grace to you, words of covenant faithfulness, telling you of the provision for forgiveness that has been made in the Lord Jesus. And then go and live a changed life, reflecting the fact that God is faithful to you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, once again we, we come before you and we acknowledge our many sins, your law. Constantly searches us out, finds us out, exposes our hearts. And we give you thanks that in your covenant faithfulness you have made provision for our forgiveness. And so we come and praise you for the Lord Jesus and we ask that we might truly be able to go and live in his name, change lives, filled with his spirit, keeping. The commandments he has taught us to observe
0: in his name we pray amen thank you for listening to the trinity church chester sermon podcast we hope that this message is a blessing to you if you'd like to know more about the christian faith and what it means to live as a christian please do get in touch you can email hello at trinitychester.church or head to the Connect page on our website, trinitychester.church forward connect. We'd love to hear from you soon.